This is episode number 161, The Importance of Asking, with Paul Newell. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few brief announcements. First one being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming call this Saturday called Courageous Conversations. This is a weekly discussion that we started 10 to 11 weeks ago, where the whole purpose is to bring together members of our community and have an open discussion about a topic that matters most in our lives. If you'd like to know more details about any of these upcoming gatherings, go ahead and leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today to which we respond to you with all the details about how you can join any of these calls. The second announcement I'd like to make is in regard to our show. If you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you, Oleg. Great to be here, man. Absolutely. Thank you for being a part of it, and thank you for joining us this Sunday for the event. As you and I spoke about, it was uh, our first experience in hosting something virtual like this. Uh, Scott Mason and I were talking about it as well. You know, it's, there are many challenges that we faced. One of them is having an event like that covering some of those topics and what appears to be kind of like great depression when it comes mm-hmm. to the different fears and stuff that we encounter. And so um, it was interesting. It was a really interesting experience to be a part of and understand that I think whoever came there was meant to be there. And yes. the biggest thing is that people walked away with so much um, insights, perspectives, like even when you shared your story, as I shared with you, you know, about, um, and I don't know if you publicly shared this, so I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to spill, I, I spill a can of beans here. <laughs> I probably, yeah, good, man, you good. Um, but when you were talking about the divorce and, and the things, and you said, you know, there's nothing I would change about it. To me, I was, I looked at some of my other relationships and different things that have happened. And I was like, I'm the same way yeah. because they make up who I am today. Yep. And if one thing had been done differently, if I chose to go back and undo certain thing, I wouldn't be here. Right. So I think there's a lot to be said with like choosing to embrace yourself for who you are. Oh, I agree. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All the scars and all the bruises. The whole shebang bang Yeah. The whole, <laughs> all of it. The whole king caboodle, some would say everything. Mm-hmm. The topic that I wanted to talk to you about is something that you and I started prior to hitting the record button. And as I told you before, and just knowing how well you and I connect, probably could have had a five-hour conversation. And then next thing is, no, we know we didn't record the conversation. So <laughs> there, <laughs> yeah, there would be a problem within a problem. Um, okay. But this topic is something that I've encountered quite a bit, and I believe it's a learned skill. I don't think we are born with it, in my opinion. And it's this topic of ask, asking for help. 
in your case, as I know you mentioned before, you struggled with that. Yeah. Can yeah. you recall a time and, and why? Why did you struggle to ask others for help? Um, there's, well, there's, there were several times. Um, I think the, 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 the one that sticks out the most to me is um, asking, for what, asking for my value. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, asking for something that I felt of value, whether it's um, more money or a bigger rate or um, it could be a date, a relationship. Like I was in this space of fearing that I was, um, that maybe I wasn't worth it, right? Maybe I didn't matter. My request didn't matter. I would get rejected. Um, they would judge me for whatever reason. Like I was in my head, Oleg, like thinking all these possible outcomes and free of actually asking to see what the actual outcome would be. Yeah. And it stifled me, man, because like I found that I, I became more of a people pleaser wanting to see what everyone else wanted and then fail to say or ask for something that I wanted. Then I would usually blow up. I'd have like a temper tantrum or, you know, I'd, I'd either um, numb myself in some way. So it was, it was, it was, um, it, it had a, it had a, a serious impact on how I was living my life, man. And then how much I felt full or fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think practice. that's, it is. And I think it's also one of the challenges of being people like you and I, because naturally we're givers. Right. And ask has that component of take it. And I think that's maybe one, at least that's a challenge I encountered in yeah, first learning think, to ask. Yeah. Um, you know, you bring up a good point because it's, it's like, where do we learn? for the, where do we learn to ask as adults, right? Like, it's like, um, you know, growing up or in the school system, maybe like, you know, if you have to go to the bathroom, ask to go to the bathroom, or if, you know, you want something, you have to ask for it. And then like, where do we, I think that as a culture, as an education, we fail to have those types of life skills to ask, or really uh, another way to say it, to make a request. Yeah. Hey, I have a request. Can you fulfill it? Yes, no? Okay, thanks. Now I know. Hey, I have a request. Okay. You know, um, and, that's, and that's a serious thing because it's twofold, right, Oleg, now that I think about it, because first of all, there's, the, there's a fear of, of what could happen, like the judgment and fear and like rejection thing I was telling you about. And then also something I recognize is like I had to really think about what it is I want in the first place. Mm. Okay. Because that in itself was a challenge. Like, well, what do I want? Hmm. Let me get back to you. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, Chuck, someone actually asked me? Wow, thanks. So I think it's a twofold thing, then. Yeah. I was having a recent conversation with a friend of mine a couple of days ago. And she had mentioned the fact how when she connects with people, she expects everyone to do a similar thing that she does. And that is the research and figuring out the areas they work in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And during that conversation, I challenged her because she was having just natural frustration of how people weren't delivering the same amount of value to her as she was delivering to them. And I had asked her the question and said, well, do you articulate to them what you're looking? She says, no. 
I just expect them to know it. I said, how could you, I don't know what you want. Right. And the things that you might have publicly may not be the things that you actually want in your heart because you might not have been able to fully articulate the things that right. you want in your heart through a LinkedIn profile. Mm. I mean, let's face it, wow. the written word, how close is it really to right. what we want for most of us? Right. Mm. Not many of us actually have the ability or haven't developed the abilities just yet to articulate that thing. That's why this, I think this whole concept of purpose and meaning, sometimes it's put on a pedestal as this thing that's like, it's, you know, this grand thing that we've got to hit and accomplish. In, in reality, that creates so much pressure where now I understand why people don't even want to pursue that route of finding yeah. that purpose. Yeah. Because it's like, right off, I, I'm digging what you're saying because right off the bat, it's like, oh my God, that's, too, that's a heavy burden to carry. Yeah. I'm already in my head. And now yeah. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I, I want to add something, right? Because um, this, this uh, uh, and I, what, you said, what you said really resonates deeply with me about like what's in your heart and, what, and being able to express what you want. And it's something um, I learned in when I was really uh, getting mentored by this guy, John Tompkins, about my language, because I noticed, um, you know, he pointed something out to me that even when I would get uh, someone asking, what do you want? My response would be, well, I don't want X. Mm. Now, this interesting because you and I, I'm trying, I'm doing my best to recall how you said it, but basically, in as much in the essence was there's no clarity in what I want. Like, you asked the person, like, Did you state what you wanted? Now, the thing that's interesting is when someone's asked what you want, and then if I were to say, I don't want this, there still is, there still is a lack of clarity. Yeah, well, if you don't want this, like, I'm the person I'm in communication with, they may be like, well, they said they don't want this, so I'm just going to do something else. Now, I may say, like, I didn't want that either. Yeah. Well, what do you want? And I think that is the key thing. It's like being able to listen to our language and still switch off that negative of saying everything else other than what we actually want, which takes some attention and presence, man. And do you think in the case of you stating what you don't want, that's the thing you actually receive. Yes. Yes. The brain process, the brain is, is free of processing that not. So if it's like, I don't want to have, <laughs> I don't want to have chocolate frosted donuts. Guess what you're going to end up craving? <laughs> chocolate frosted donuts. Yeah. It's like, yo, try it. For anyone watching this or listening, try it. Mm -hmm. okay? We do it every, we do it all the time. I don't want a bad, I don't want, I don't want to be in a bad relationship. Well then guess what you're in? Bad relationship. Mm -hmm. So how much of that journey then becomes about, I don't even know how to ask this question. How much of it do you externalize through the spoken word? And how much of it do you keep internal? Such as I don't want this. Is that an internal component? Yes. Yes. I think it all starts internal first. Okay. Personally, uh -huh. uh, because I got to really look at, well, if I'm saying, if I, first of all, I'm aware that I said, I don't want this. Now I got to go inside and figure out what do I want? 
even if it's as even if we keep it as I keep it as basic as I, it's going to be the opposite of what I said I don't want. Mm-hmm. So I want I want good relationship. Now internally I got to figure out well what the hell does that even mean because that's an inference. I want a good relationship. A good relationship to some people could be like, give me a bunch of chocolate frosted donuts. <laughs> some, people, some people could be like, I want you to hold my hand. Like, I don't know. It's good as changes. Um, I think it's definitely an internal conversation because we have to know for ourselves. We have to know what that feels like. I mean, maybe it's going back to a memory of like what it felt like to be cared for, loved, and then saying, I want to feel this or I want this. Um, so I think it's it definitely starts internally, and then it goes externally because now I'm able to communicate mm-hmm. someone else in the in, in the hopes that they're going to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's you bring up a really good point, and that's something I've been thinking about because as you and I have shared before, whatever you say, whatever you speak, the chances of it coming true are just that much higher. I mean, it's, you're increasing the vibration. You know, first it starts with the vibration of thought then it becomes speech. And then through one conversation, another person hears it and hundreds of other hear it. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, now it's being spoken across however many people. And that's, I think how some of the things happen. And so in in articulating that thing that you want, whenever you're asked a question of how can I help you or what do you want? It's in our best advantage to get as close as we can to that thing. It may not be the ultimate thing. I don't think it ever is actually. I, I stopped believing in the ultimatums of things. I'm with you on that, man. I'm I don't think you. that's a thing. I think it's a thing we create. Yeah, I mean, wow. You, I mean, when you just said that, that just made me think of it. I think it's a thing that we create as a defense, actually. Um, because if it's like an ultimatum, it's like, well, I'm going to stop short here rather than exploring any possibilities. Yeah. You know, it's a defense. Like, well, you know, it's either this or that. Yeah. And, maybe it's this and that and something else, mm-hmm. you know? So it's when you thank you for that, cause that made me realize something different. Yeah. There's always going to be an experience within experience. You know, you may, you say, I want more love. Just like you said, what does that look like? Love right. can come in so many different forms. And the love that you have with your parent is going to be completely different than the love you have with your partner or your dog. Right. At least I'm assuming Based on my Maybe. experience. Possibly. Hey, I don't Possibly, know what's right? going on. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm free of judgment. Uh-huh. It's all good, man. I'm detached from the outcome. So, but I, I think it's, it's, um, it's very interesting when, we, when I think about this, right? Because really being able to communicate and, and do this ask and make an ask, it's really, I think it's, it's a way of enhancing how we relate to others. Because, you know, we, my judgment is, and even though I said I'm judgment free, or my thought process is, I, I see a lot of people resistant to really get into deeper relationships, right? And what that, what I mean specifically by that is being able to be vulnerable and courageous to ask for something that may sound crazy, that, you know, may be vulnerable for, uh, for someone, or that may be grandiose right like oh i don't know if i can ask that that's too big or i don't know if i can ask that that's too small it's 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 you know it's you know not thinking even more about it it's a practice because it's like developing a muscle like hey you know what 
I want this. And, and being willing to hear no. And that's okay because someone else may fulfill it. Right? Someone else may be able to fulfill your ask or your request. It's the practice of still asking because it's coming from within, man. It means if it's something that you're requesting, it means something to you. Mm-hmm. It means it. So, yeah, yeah something to think about. What's your relationship with rejection? Horrible. Horrible. It's a, it's a complicated relationship. <laughs> complicated. Um, I think rejection is one of those things that's, uh, that uh, I'm, I'm constantly in struggle. I, I, I don't want to say struggle, but like I'm constantly in a relationship with, right? Like I think right now me and rejection are in therapy. We're working things out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's, it's really about, for me, um, growing up, I, you know, I didn't think that my opinion really mattered. I was the youngest of five kids. Then when my parents got divorced, like un- unconscious or subconsciously, I thought that, you know, it was because of me. So like, I didn't ask for much. I didn't want to be a bother. I wanted to make everybody laugh. And like what I, what I wanted didn't matter. And I, I just thought it didn't matter. So I constantly thought I was going to get rejected. Like then growing up getting rejected by women or job proposals or like in sports or whatever, it just added on to my belief. So now my old is, as I'm I'm getting more seasoned, it's, it's for me, it's about a reframe. Like, okay. If they say no, that's okay. And also being willing to ask like, Hey, can you, um, are you open to letting me know the reasons? So now I can get more feedback. Um, I'm trying to remember which coach I had that, that schooled me on that, but basically it was, they helped me, they helped, they encouraged me to ask for what I wanted more and to experience rejection because it was an opportunity to get feedback. Mm-hmm. It was an opportunity for me to scour like, Hey, can this person fulfill what I'm requesting? Because that was another thing I had, I had problems with Oleg because I was so, um, uh, ingrained to think I was going to get rejected, I made requests of people that could never fulfill what I was asking. Mm-hmm. So it supported more of that rejection, right? Like, and this happened in relationship, like, because I was all damaged inside, like, you know, I was asking something of someone else that was, was resistant or even, or, or unable or unwilling to provide it. So, um, for me, it's, a, it's the, the rejection. It's like learning to work with it as a method of feedback and a, a opening for discussion. And also knowing a bad thing, because, you know, I know they had that quote, like, hey, one, one more no is closer to yes. Like, you know, I never really bought into that BS <laughs> because, like, I felt this kind of shaming, like, you know, like rather than feeling experience what's going on, like, oh, man, well, well what did that no really do for me? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what is really the feeling that I'm experiencing right now? Right? Is it rejection? What, what, what about that is, is what's behind the rejection? Is it sadness? Is it fear? Is it an old story? You know, if I fail to ask and fail to experience that quote unquote rejection, then I, then I, I have very limited opportunities to dive deeper, to scoop deeper into myself. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So, do you ask the, the person? of why they might have said a no? I'm working on that. In certain situations, I do. Some situations, and it's more of when I feel really comfortable with the person. Uh-huh. Um, 
like, uh, I'll give you a perfect example to be concrete, right? Um, so I'm working on a program, Heal That Black Man. And I did a survey um, to poll uh, black men about some of the questions or some of the things I'm looking to address in this program. Now, when I realized I had to make this survey, first of all, it took me three weeks to even create the survey, right? So I pushed God behind schedule. Then when I created, I sat on it for a week because I was resistant to ask anyone to fill it out. Okay. Why? First of all, I, was, I, was, I thought I was going to get rejected. I thought people were going to think, who the hell is this guy to ask me about this? Who the hell is he to create this kind of program? Who the hell is he to dive into my personal business and ask me about emotions and stuff? Because mm-hmm. there's a part of me that felt like, oh, well, that's what I'm feeling inside. I have no idea what it is for these people. So like for me, I put it out to my networks, even put it out on social media. And there are some people that, hey, listen, put it out to a lot of people. I put it out to probably about 300 people. I got 64 responses. So I had a lot of rejections, right? Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of participation. So I had, to, I had to look at that and be willing to experience whatever was going to come from that, man. Because if I sat on it, then a program that I think is going to mean something may have just been shelved. Like I, like I tended to do in the past, like, yeah, you know what? It's too big of a dream. I'm just going to put it off right here on my journal and just let it collect dust. No, man. So that's how I'm working through it right now. Where does that narrative get created? The whole concept of it's too big, it's too big or too small. I know it's um, us, but is that something that gets passed down to us? Cause I wondered, upon this for quite some time you know yeah. this whole concept of like okay chill out kid don't don't dream too big all some of these things that other people have done i mean even playing let's say professional basketball right right just due to the race or the height or the weight whatever it is so many times you'll get counted out oh you're too short or you know you're 20 pounds under when in right. reality i just question it. it's like who where does that come from? Like who, A, who is this person telling me that I can't do it? And where do their thoughts come about when it comes to it? Is it something that just gets passed down to us through generations? Uh, that's a, yeah. Oh, where do I start? Um, I, I think, yes, I do, I do think it gets passed down. For, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself. Right. Um, and also in, in my experiences working with others, I, I find that those, those, that, that, to answer your question about that thought of being too big, right? I think um, for me, it was growing up, it was constantly like, hey, you got to do twice as much as this person mm-hmm. and be humble about it. Like that was a narrative I heard growing up as a, as a black boy, right? And as also as a black man, right? Like, Hey, that's a great job you did. Take it easy though. Chill. You know, like, oh, you know, it's like, and if I was feeling good about myself, like I'm going to knock you down a couple pegs. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, who was I to think that, that I could do this. So I think it's, um, I think it's something that's passed down into conditioning thinking that, well, um, like, yeah, I want you to be great. And then this conflicting message of, I'm going to chop you down when you get there. Mm-hmm. So there becomes a narrative of, you know, like, I'm not going to do something that's out of, like, that's, you know what, someone else could do that. Like, that's a little bit too big for me. 
right? And it may be opportunities uh, growing up too. Like, do we have the opportunity to do something great and then also be able to acknowledge ourselves for it fully? Um, I think in this age of, of, of competitive nature, I think there's, there's this thought concept that there's only one. There's like a yeah. scarcity of like, only one person can get the prize. False. Everyone has a prize. It's, their, it's for their individual selves, right? For the individual selves. So if everyone was to understand like, yo, there's, there's something for you, there's something for them, then they're going to go big. They're going to dream big. Um, rather than saying like, well, I'm not going to do that because that's for someone else. That's a bunch of hooey, man. Um, yeah. in, my, in, my, in my perspective anyway, the experience of what I've experienced. That's where I think it comes from. It's funny that you mentioned that because as I looked at this journey, I think this whole concept of abundance and believing in possibility, it's, it's almost become this other language that we don't speak because there's so much that's just not tangible. I mean, belief alone, how do you put that into a cardboard box that you can hold? You can't, right? right. It, it has its own life. It lives wherever and does whatever it is. And so it's interesting to even have gone through the different modes of schooling. And I remember one in particular, I was sitting in a business class. It was an entrepreneurship class. And we were being taught about how to analyze our competitors. And it broke down on a whiteboard, this competitive landscape. And I remember in that moment, it just, something didn't make sense. I looked at it and I said, why am I thinking that somehow Dell is going to put me out of business or Apple when in reality, I'm the only one who has that choice. And I firmly believe that, that you are, in my opinion, the only one who gets to wake up every morning and tell yourself, am I going to stay in business or go out of business? That's it. It literally does not matter what any other company does. Right. Right. It's as simple as that. They may appeal more to, to the customer's interest, but that doesn't mean that there's also a limited number of customers. Right. There's seven and a half billion people on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. What are the chances that you're not bound to attract one? Speaking my language, Oli. Speaking my language, man. And this, and again, this is a practice in thought, right? It's like, there's, again, I, I, I'll say this a thousand times if I say it once. <laughs> it's a practice in thinking like, there's a space for me. Yeah. There is space for me, right? I get to have that because I matter. That's a constant, like you talk about speaking a vibration, that's a vibration, mantra, affirmation, whatever title or label you want to put on it, there it is. Yeah. Because as soon as we can start thinking that, then we stay, we stay on, in, our, in our alignment. Like, this is so wild. As, I, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at this book I'm reading called The Healing Wisdom of Africa. And there was a passage in there that talked about in, um, in uh, the thing, I think the name to pronounce is the, the Gara tribe or this village. When some, they talked about when someone wanted to get a job, right. Or knew that they had to do something in the village instead of going to get the certifications like we do in the West, they're going to the shaman mm. so that they can tap into what's in their soul. What do they get to do so they could be of contribution so they can bring who they are uniquely to the village 
into the world, right? And this is something I really appreciate because if we were to look at it from that perspective here, everyone's going to be striving for their own greatness. Yeah. Not for some stuff that they put out in a Nike ad or like something that they tell you should have with total cereal. None of that stuff. It's about what's happening inside and unique to that person. See what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I think you're spot on with that. I wholeheartedly believe in it, that it's all about the inner journey. The challenge that I think, and I don't know if it is a challenge or I'm just framing, framing it to be a challenge that becomes is when you go on that inner journey, maybe the outside world just shapes itself. You know what I mean? You see what yeah. I'm trying to say? Like when it comes to that, like, is that, is that how it happens or is that how it could happen? I think, I think that's, that is how it happens, right? Because we, we collect, we collect data. I mean, like science wise, right? right? Our senses collect data and this, this wonderful processor under this dome <laughs> uh, takes this and then formulates it based on where we are in space, like what's happening in space, right? So if I have a certain program that's running in here, what's going to project is what's based on that program, right? So as soon as I start tinkering and stuff and get an upload or file or clean out some files and add a new program, now what my, my projections or my perceptions are going to shift. Like if I have this perception beforehand of like, oh, well, what I say doesn't matter, then I'm going to perceive any possible rejection or any little, any term that may be neutral. I'm going to, I'm going to translate it into or transmute it to something specific. Yeah. Right. Now, if I go to this other frame or this other program, like what I say matters and I have a voice now I can, I can shift my perception and see things as a way to communicate, see things as a way to get my space. So I think a lot of it is, is, is from our perception. I mean, that's why like the ancients talked about honing and, and polishing our third eye, our energy systems, so that we can come from a different place. We can change what's happening internally to impact what's happening externally. I think that's a big part of it. Isn't that crazy how just, I was just thinking about it the other day and something that you also said during the event that we were having and you talked about becoming more grateful for the simple things, walking on the grass and just being able to feel the grass and then in the things that it makes against your feet. And it just got me even thinking about brain, how, I mean, th really think about it, right? <laughs> There's a brain in here that's able to do all of this, the spoken word, any form of action that we choose to do, it's all in here. Right. And that's just like mind blowing to me. How it's just this, like, I don't even know what the size of it, you know, half of like eight pounds or whatever. <laughs> That's yeah. it. But it can literally manifest worlds and it does manifest worlds. And that's the most fascinating part is that something so small can have an impact so large. It's amazing. It's amazing, dude. Like, I, 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 uh, I teach anatomy and physiology to yoga teacher training. And just like being in the business, I'm fascinated with the body and the brain, especially with what I've been experiencing recently recovery from uh, double hip surgery. And it's amazing that this processor, right, 
it it has the ability to like where uh, create these neurons these new ways of doing things right and every time we challenge ourselves to do something different we're building new pathways they call them like neural pathways i'm a big fan of dr joe dispenza i don't know if you've ever, have you ever read any of his stuff never have but i've heard of a couple times Oh man, first time I read this dude's book, uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, I was like, sold. I, I, <laughs> I was like, I'm in, man. Um, and you know, he talks, a lot of what he talks about is every day doing something different. Because now it's like I create new pathways rather than reinforce the old ones. And that's what our brain does. Our brain's gonna find the path of least resistance. It's gonna keep us safe. It's gonna yeah. keep us moving regardless. It's resi- uh, the brain and the body and then combine the breath with it. Oh, Lord. It's a combo, man. It's a combo. But the thing is, when we lack presence or we have our story of things being a certain way, we shut a lot of this down. And we basically like let this just marinate, man, rather mm-hmm. than continue to build and, and reinforce and feed and hone and nourish this vessel that we have here that's connected to everything that we are it's pretty amazing man it's outstanding what we got what we what we've been gifted for free yeah literally 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 oleg you don't pay a dime for it i never got a bill for this body (laughs) (laughs) my mom never gave me an invoice you know so it's, it's like what we get this and it's sad because we get this like there's distractions there's there's these things that take us away from our brilliance man it's sad and it's a reality do you think that story that i know that you're a big believer in that and that's something that you revolve a lot around a lot of your work around do you think that story of holding back is is something that's always there because it's kind of part of who we are and that's that wanting to survive you know i'm not good enough i can't do that i'm not going to try this new thing because it's going to put me in the unknown and then i don't know what that environment's going to be like to operate in because i i just sensed that in in my experience no matter how self-aware i become and how much i develop my confidence to try new things that piece of the narrative, it's always there. Right. You know, what changes, I think, is your relationship with it. Yeah. As far as, like, I can't do this, then you reframe it. Well, which part of it do I not think I can't? But, like, it, it always seems like the origin is always starts with that thing. Right. It's that, that doubt. And I'm wondering, if is, is that just, like, naturally just there? Um, yes. Yes. Because if you think about it, right, and this is why I'm saying yes. If you think about our brain has a, the amygdala, like our limbic system is basically our safety mechanism, like our ADT. Right. right. Like, um, if something's going on, it's like, wee, 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 <laughs> right? Like we got to get out of here. We got to stay, stay small. So when, when you ask that question, I think it's something that is, is something that again, we're gifted with to keep this vessel safe. Now the thing is, is in our modern society, more things are considered str- threats than what happened long, long time ago with our ancestors. Like with our ancestors, they had to like battle off animals and like other tribes and things to survive. Like 
you know, you and I go through a day, we're like, man, I can't wait till tomorrow. <laughs> they go through a day, we're like, I just want to make it back. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, it's like, you know, the threats are different right now. So if you think about it, when we perceive a threat, our body's like fight or flight or freeze. And the flight could be like, that's too big. I'm going to scale back. The freeze is the procrastination, right? The fight is a defensive mechanism. Well, you know what, man? I didn't want to be a part of that anyway. You know what? I'm good. Like, hold on. So it's like, that's, that's in our bodies, right? It's, and I think that's where it's, like you were saying, is being able to think through the perceived threat. Like, is that really too big? Like, what about that's too big for me? You know, like, what about it? Is there something that I get to learn so I can do this? It's asking the question. It's like, it's like any, any computer, right? If I put a command in a computer, like I remember I used to work for this company, ADP. So they had like the DOS, the mainframe. It was like the, it was like the matrix key code. Like you're ty- I was typing in codes and stuff, uh-huh. special calcs. So it's like any computer mainframe. When I put in a command, it's going to give me an output. So the questions or things I say to myself is going to give me an output. Yeah. If I change what I say and the, what I, and how I question myself, I'm going to get a different output now. You see what I mean? So yeah. it's something to think about, especially for anybody going through change or going through some of that difficulty, because it can be a challenge really embracing self, man, because Really, there's like, I mean, fortunately, there's people like you that have events like you had on Sunday and events before and like with the podcast and with your posts that challenge people to think in different ways. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have more people like, like, like you that are able to bring that out. And still some people and like, this is a benefit for us because it gets us to stretch and start to create new things for ourselves. Why do some people choose not to think? It's easier that way sometimes, man. <laughs> sometimes, uh, I mean, listen, I think a lot of it is conditioning to think that there's something outside of ourselves that will save us. So if you think about television programming, right, there's this, why think? Like what happens, like um, uh, Earl Nightingale says, one of the men's um, greatest abilities that they fail to use is their ability to think. Think through a situation, problem, what have you. I think it's become easy for us not to think because if you look at like these devices that we have, it's not like we got to go to the high uh, um, to the library and use the Dewey Decimal System to find a book and then <laughs> the whole 350 to get the answer that we're looking for. Right now, we just type it in. Hey, Google. So, the, what 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 are the what are the what are the spaces for us to think? Man? Yeah. So. Um, I think it, it becomes easy not to think, especially with all the quote unquote stress or distractions. People are like, you know, I'm done thinking. It's like, um, it's like a, a, a friend, I forget the book he quoted, but it's decision fatigue. You make all these decisions like, who am I gonna respond to on social media? Do I do this today? Do this? All of a sudden it's just like, I can't take anymore. <laughs> Netflix, I gotta get Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> And, and listen, I'm saying it's free adjustment. Cause I'm, I'm listening. If people are like, I know what he's talking about. Wait, because I, I was there freaking Tuesday night. So it's like, I'm human too. And, 
right? And that's why this is a practice. This is uh, I love that because it's so true. It, it's, it could be more true than that. <laughs> the decision yeah. fatigue is real. I, I was actually reading an article a little while ago that talked about, I think it's Zuckerberg or Gates, or it might be an and Gates and some of the other people. They actually simplified their decision-making starting from day one. You know how typically, well, I'll speak for myself when we wake up and let's say we have a meeting, we, we go into like, what am I going to wear? Does this look professional? Now, what about this one? So we fatigue our brain with all of these minor decisions when in reality, what's the objective of the meeting? It's just for you to show up. That's it. Who cares about what you wear, right? Right. But yet we put so much emphasis on the other part. And the thing that they mentioned in that article was that in their case, sometimes they literally just have one set of clothes. Yeah. That's it. So yeah. they don't have to decide. They just throw it on and go. And then it, it's funny because as I'm, I'm sure you've encountered people like that as well in your life, you know, some of the billionaires or millionaires they encounter, and then you look at them and it's ripped jeans, flip flops, and then the automatic judgments that we make, oh, something must be going wrong in their lives. And then you talk to them and you realize that they actually make 100 or 200 times more than what you make on a daily basis. Yes. And now when I read that article, it made sense. I was like, I get it now. I understand why a person would dress like that because it's like, why waste your brain power on something that's really not, it doesn't produce results. Nope. For what? Yeah. For what's the what, what? What's the benefit? It's wild because I think it's um. Yeah, I think it is Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, but they have a certain, they have a basic way of doing things. It's like Warren Buffett's like that too. He's yeah. very regimented. He gets the same breakfast. He does the same thing every single time because he was like, I don't have to think about it. Perfect. It's a minimalist lifestyle, I think, and that's another piece of materialism, like. Advertising is slick, man, Oleg, because it's like, you know, you see people smiling in a fresh new car and then you like, you're looking at people look at their lives like, man, I don't have that kind of stuff. I'm not yeah. smiling. Maybe I need that. So it's interesting, man. Very interesting. Do you choose to live a more minimalistic lifestyle? Or do you feel uh, like you have, you have yeah. too many possessions in your life? Yeah, I've t- I think I've taken the past year to really trim down a lot of things. I think it, that's, that in itself is a practice, too being able to start to trim down. Um, but I found like, especially in my clothes, like I don't, like I get some, thi- I get things that can layer, do a lot of different things. So I don't have to have a bunch of clothes. Uh-huh. Um, and I find that like, you know, like in my house, like I, I, I used to be a little bit more of a pack rat. I'm still working on it. If you talk to my partner, she'll be like, yo, you still. <laughs> um, so, um, but uh, I think it's like, for me, I've seen the benefit of being able to scale back where I have to put my decisions, right? Or make, what kind of decisions I have to make. And also, it's like really looking at, hey, if I get three pieces of clothes, I'll get three good pieces of clothes that I could wear forever, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like I remember my brother I used to work at Brooks Brothers. And, you know, when I was getting a suit, I was like, when I was, when I was coming out of college and getting a suit, he was like, Paul, save your money and get one good suit because you could wear it for a long time every day. And I was like, whatever, man. This place here's got suits for ninety nine dollars. Shut up, my older brother. Um, and then, like, lo and behold, man, like wearing that suit every day, 
like in a month time, there was a hole opening up by the crotch, like was, <laughs> under the armpits was starting to wear. And I'm like, oh, junk, he had a point. And my message here is that like, you know, if we buy for quality rather than quantity, right? So instead of buying like a bunch of different t-shirts or a bunch of different jeans, like I have one good pair of jeans and like maybe three or four different good t-shirts that I can rock. Yeah. You know, or like something that's basic. I think that to me, that helps me get grounded and also helps me be, be freer of distractions, which helps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To wrap it all up, as far as how you and I chose to start this conversation, <clears throat> final thought for today's episode, and that is to put the question back on you. How can someone, how can someone help you? What is your ask? So um, my ask of others is to watch your language. Watch the language to yourself. Uh, watch your language to others. Um, and if you're looking for support, my ask is that you participate in the class I have coming up called Core Language Words Matter. Uh, the reason I'm asking people to watch their language um, and I, I want to be free of using the term, especially now, and I'm going to use it, especially now is because everyone is extremely sensitive, highly combustible right now. And the words that we say can be misinterpreted. Yeah. So when we watch our language, what we say to ourselves, how we treat ourselves, how we talk to our, how we talk to others, how we treat others, that can create a shift in our relationships. So my ask is for people to watch their language. And where, check out the where can people find the course? Um, they can follow me right now on Facebook. We have a uh, Facebook page. It's going to really be our funnel for information. It's called Core Language. It, the core is in all caps. It's uh, separated by periods because the core actually means something specific. And it's Core Language Words Matter. Uh, we have actually live courses coming up next week on August 3rd, 6th, um, 10th, 13th, and then 17th to really give a summary of what this, this course that we're launching in September is about. And we do Facebook lives that talk about little things that we come up with in conversation. And when I say we, it's uh, my partner, Carmel Surit. Um, he's my word, uh, Sherp, he's my fellow word Sherpa. Um, so he's, uh, we, you know, we have these lives where we talk to these re- things that happen in regular conversation and also articles that talk to the power of words and language. So perfect place to check me out is there. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring stories. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.